A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. A millionaire CEO living large is suddenly dead. Getting him to describe his alleged activities would be like reading a Jason Bourne novel. But did wealthy and mysterious Jose Lantigua die a natural death? Or was this something more ominous? Sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. And you really couldn't have made this up. A fatal rare disease, international intrigue, and a family ensnared in a twisted tale of deception. You know, I'm so blessed. How did I get so lucky? Spun by a master storyteller. Yep, I thought it was like a fairy tale, and I was the princess. But as you're about to learn, her prince, Jose Lantigua, is really a dead man walking. Hi, everyone. I'm Anna Garcia, and welcome to a special edition of True Crime Daily, the podcast. Today, we are going to delve into the dark and the twisted world of Jose Lantigua. Jose was a wealthy businessman from Florida, and he betrayed his family by faking his own death, fleeing to the jungles of Venezuela, and this was all part of an elaborate scam to make millions of dollars off of insurance benefits. Stand with us at Circle K. Bye, American. Everyone in Jacksonville, Florida, knew Lantigua's face. The owner of discount furniture stores, his commercials for the Circle K chain even made him a local celebrity. America, we have a choice. We can save our country. And selling dining room tables and bedroom sets made Lantigua very rich. Would you say he was a millionaire? He told me he was. He said that he had millions. Crime Watch Daily sitting down with Lantigua's wife, Daphne, in an exclusive interview about the man she thought was her knight in shining armor. He was a really fascinating person, um, very kind, very thoughtful. Daphne Simpson is a deeply religious woman. Her first husband was a pastor, and like many singles, Daphne logged on for love, hoping to meet a nice guy through a Christian dating site. It wasn't long before a match was made in heaven with the successful Cuban immigrant turned furniture king. When I told the girls at work, you know, that I had gone out with this particular gentleman and they were like, oh my gosh, you know, he's so awesome. He's, you know, great person here in the community. He's contributed to so many, you know, charities and everything. Daphne, who's originally from Texas, moved to Jacksonville. And when she went back to the Lone Star State to visit her kids, they could tell she was smitten with her new Romeo. She was, I mean, just so giddy and telling me about this amazing man that she had uh, met and at how much she liked him. After four months of dating, Daphne's Cuban Casanova popped the question. It was in his usual grand style at a fancy restaurant with long-stemmed red roses and champagne on ice waiting tableside. Sounds like a TV show, The Bachelorette, right? <laughs> I know. I was just like, whoa. It, it just blew me away. 
After dinner, Jose gets down on bended knee and out comes the only thing sweeter than chocolate-covered strawberries, a five-carat diamond engagement ring. That's a big ring. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was, like I said, very, wow. It was huge, very blingy. Was your mom in love with him? Oh, yeah, absolutely. She was, I would say, infatuated with him. And why wouldn't she be? Jose was divorced, his children grown adults. Daphne says he rolled out the red carpet for her own adult children, even inviting them to move into his mini mansion on exclusive Fleming Island, an upscale coastal community about 15 miles from Jacksonville. He brought all of us into his fold, my sisters, myself. Immediately he was like, you know, I want you guys to move here into Florida. Jose even dazzled Daphne and her kids with intriguing stories about his past as a high-ranking military officer. But he embellished those tales, saying he worked with the CIA carrying out top-secret missions in South America. I was like, have you killed people before? What kind of operations did you do? So he would tell me in depth. Everyone's future looked bright, especially when Lantigua made Circle K a family business, giving the kids jobs. It was one big Brady Bunch in the making. It was like we were one beautiful, big, happy family. The pair honeymooned in North Carolina, where they quickly snapped up a rustic mountain retreat. Beautiful views. I mean, it was gorgeous. He wanted to start renovating on it. And renovate they did. Jose even building, of all things, a panic room. Just like in the movies, a secret lair completely concealed to the naked eye. So he had this safe room built so that the family would be safe. We could all go up there if, you know, chaos broke out. Daphne was living a dream come true. The newly blended family enjoyed vacations, celebrated holidays together, and welcomed new grandchildren into the world. I mean, honestly, he sounds perfect. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, wow. And he, you know, told me we're soulmates. But the dream of a marriage was about to become a nightmare. Daphne says just a few months later, Jose drops a shocker, telling her he's dying from a rare condition called CJD, better known as mad cow disease. So he told you he had mad cow disease? Yes. How did he go about explaining this? He has me in his arms and he says, I have something I have to tell you. I have CJD and I didn't even know what CJD was. And he explained that it was a brain disease and that there was no cure for it, nothing could be done, and that he had maybe six months to live. And I remember I started bawling because we'd only been married for a short time and now I think he's dying and that I'm only gonna have six more months with him. Daphne says Jose told her he contracted the disease while he was in the military and had to eat monkey brains while on assignment in the jungle. He said that one of the missions that they had gone on, he had to interact with the, the locals where he had been the guest of honor and therefore you had to eat what's given to you. And he had eaten raw monkey brain at that time. You spoke with the doctor? Yes, I did. And what did the doctor tell you? That he had CJD and he would answer any questions I had. We went to an MRI 
clinic and he had an MRI done of his brain. Did he show you the MRI or any x-rays or anything? I did look at it, but I didn't know. I mean, it had a bunch of white spots everywhere, so I just assumed, you know, that's part of the disease. Daphne and Jose went to Miami, breaking the devastating news to their extended family members. But not long after they get home, Jose makes a completely different and even more shocking admission to Daphne. He sat me down and said, I have something to tell you. I needed to let you know that all that stuff I told you about the CJD was a lie. And I did it to protect the family. And I didn't want anybody to know what the real truth was to protect you. Suddenly, Jose writes up a dark second chapter in his story. Antigua tells his wife, Daphne, my background is catching up on me. As I told you, I was a special forces operations officer that actually took out and assassinated a cartel leader in South America. And I need to fake my death now, otherwise my life is at risk, and your life, and your family as well. And Jose needs everyone but Daphne to believe he would soon die in the jungles south of the border from a horrible disease. We are being joined now by insurance investigator Richard Marquez. Now, he's been working on these kinds of fraud cases for 30 years, but he was also the lead investigator on this particular case. Richard, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. There are a lot of things about this case, Richard, that are ridiculous and outlandish. And for me, the biggest part of this that is the most unbelievable and frankly, really just plain stupid is him claiming to have mad cow disease. He chose the rarest, yeah. high-profile ailment to die of possible. Why didn't he just choose something simpler? <laughs> People will, you know, choose some very abstract illnesses, and, uh, um, and I've seen everything where somebody died from too much womanizing and drinking. So too much what? Surprised. Woman, being being with a lot of women, uh oh, oh. and drinking, womanizing. And, yeah, that causes death. Okay, uh, I've seen that in death certificates, so this really did surprise me. Well, Richard, have you ever had to investigate a claim involving a death associated with mad cow disease? No, we have not. When this landed on your desk, Richard, was it obvious that you were dealing with a fraud case? No, initially we treat every case very objectively and we take the documents for, for what they uh, stand, stand for. And um, so on the initial review, I mean, we trust that whatever the insurance or the policyholders are providing the insurance companies, there's gonna be legitimate information. And that's how we treat every case, very objectively. And then we start delving into the, uh, the details. And that's where, where we start detecting uh, what we call red flags and things that may give us a lead on how to pursue the investigation. Do you think the part about his scam in which he claimed that the cartel was trying to kill him for retribution for his work when he was special ops, do you think that that was the most convincing part for Daphne? Only she can answer to that. I mean, we, during our investigation, 
uh, we looked at his uh, bio and he claimed to be special forces and found out he really has never been in the, uh, in the uh, special forces. So that also, according to the uh, verification we conducted, we couldn't find any record that he had actually belonged to the, uh, the special forces. So that became a question for us. Do you see something in Jose that you see in a lot of other fraudsters as far as how they're able to plot and convince others to pull something so ridiculous off? Well, almost in every fraudulent case like this, yeah, the personality has a lot of confidence in himself, maybe a little bit arrogant and can man- manipulate uh, people into doing things to help 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 them uh, perpetrate the uh, fraud. So that some of his traits do match what we see in, in other other people that do the same have done the same thing. Up next, Jose Lantigua has a dirty secret. He is broke. And Daphne has no clue about that. But Jose has a plan that he thinks is going to fix everything. And you're not going to believe the lengths that he will go to to pull this all off. Jose Lantigua was considered the furniture king of Jacksonville, Florida. But he was about to lose his crown. He looked amazing and um, treated me like I was a princess. Daphne's Prince Charming was dying, he said, from mad cow disease. He explained that it was a brain disease and that there was no cure for it, no, nothing he could be done, and that he had maybe six months to live. But Jose's twisted tale of having mad cow had just one fatal flaw. It was all a load of bull. Daphne tells me Jose lied about his fatal disease for the wildest of reasons. Jose told her his past as a CIA special ops agent south of the border was dangerously haunting him. He claimed a Mexican drug cartel ordered a revenge hit and he needed to protect the family. I was terrified, but I didn't want my children's lives to be in danger. And I believed him because one, why would you lie about something like that to your wife? But as you're about to see, they were all tall tales. Daphne says she had no idea her husband was in debt up to his lying eyeballs. His seemingly successful Circle K furniture chain had been in the red for years. Do you believe that at one point in his life he really was successful and had a lot of money? I don't know. Um, Again... That could be a lie too. Right. I don't know what... Everything he told me, I don't know what's true anymore. It seems Jose owed the banks millions of dollars after taking out loans he couldn't repay. Instead of filing for bankruptcy, Assistant U.S. Attorney Mark Devereaux says Jose concocted an elaborate plan to rake in over $8 million in life insurance payouts. He thinks it's gonna, everything's going to be better, just like the gambler. I'll win the next hand but it doesn't. And in order to get the insurance companies to cough up the cash, Jose had to fake his own death. So he closed up shop and told his family he was going to Venezuela for treatment, but he needed Daphne's help to pull off the plan. He needed a conspirator, a co-conspirator, and it ended up being his wife. But he knew his wife 
and he knew that if he told her the truth, she wouldn't have jumped on board, so he tricked her. We've all heard there's no honor amongst thieves. Here, he had no honor, and he was very cruel in what he told his wife. To convince Daphne to help him, Lantigua whipped up a tale of death so outlandish it could be ripped from the pages of a spy novel. Antigua tells his wife, Daphne, my background is catching up on me. As I told you, I was a special forces operations officer that actually took out and assassinated a cartel leader in South America. I was the team leader, and I need to fake my death now. Otherwise, my life is at risk, and your life, and your family as well. Meanwhile, Antigua had Daphne's kids hoodwinked into believing he was going to Venezuela for experimental treatment for mad cow disease. The crafty con man even wrote a personal letter to his kids preparing for his imminent death. He had left a letter in his personal effects for me to share with the family, stating that he didn't want to pass away in front of his family. He wanted to be alone so they would remember him as he was, you know, when he was still healthy. And wouldn't you know it, months after disappearing deep in the jungles of South America, Lantigua drops dead, or so he said. At any point, are there any red flags going off? Oh yeah, the whole time. I mean, when you don't see a body and then they just disappear, it's weird, you know, to just disappear and then die in a foreign country. But Lantigua moved pretty well for a dead guy. I find it interesting, Richard, that all of us can listen to the details of this case and we're all like, oh my God, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't true. This is crazy. Yet a central figure to all of this, Daphne, his new wife, actually buys into it. And the way he manipulates her into buying into it, for example, is he'll say, you see that car behind us? They're following us. Or there'll be someone walking in front or to the side and he'll point out to that person. And he did this in increments to the point where she started thinking that she was really being followed. Well, that's very plausible. And uh, I'm sure it could have, could have happened that way. But um, I still have some doubts about that, that she was really afraid. Because if she was so afraid, why travel to one of the most dangerous countries in the world? Why put herself through all that? Why was she so intent on pursuing the life insurance policies? And we saw some things in postings and stuff that uh, made us, makes me uh, wonder and doubt that is a true story. Well, remember that from Daphne's point of view, that Jose was telling her that if they didn't go ahead and make it seem like the death really happened, that the cartel would keep chasing him. And if they didn't go ahead and, and try and claim the insurance money, that again would look like, oh, it's going to seem like he faked his death to get away from the cartel. And so those were the ways, according to her and investigators, that she was manipulated into going through with the whole part, meaning in order for this to be believable, to get the cartel off of their back, she had to go forward with the funeral and filing the insurance claims. Otherwise, the cartel being so 
smart would know that it was just all fake. If the cartel was really looking for me, the last thing I would do would be to travel to Venezuela. Uh, to, to go to their backyard, you mean? Woohoo, here I am. <laughs> exactly. You know what? If they're going to catch you anywhere and get away with it, it's Venezuela. And there's a lot of gangs, there's a lot of uh, traffickers, there's a lot of uh, cartel uh, groups there. So I, if, if this was me and I was afraid of the cartel trying to kill me, that's the last place I would go. And the other uh, thing is, I mean, he honestly, he could have chosen to die anywhere. I get it why he didn't want to die in the United States, because that would have been really easy to trace. So he wanted to be out of the United States. But there's a ton of places that he could have chosen. Oh, you know what? Uh, again, we've, we investigate many of these cases, many of the fraudulent cases, and most of the fraudulent cases occur in very remote and difficult places where somebody can go do the do the investigation. So that was to me that that was definitely planned because he thought with all the uh, civil unrest, who's going to go to Venezuela to investigate? He probably thought and she probably thought as soon as we get the documents, official documents or official appearing documents, we'll send them to the insurance company and they'll automatically pay. And two companies in the very beginning paid the policy just for the uh, documentation. I think we saw some things that um, she seemed to be pretty excited after they probably received the first two payments. She did not seem distraught. She didn't seem, seem to be afraid, but Again, you know, if you're trying to convince somebody to leave you alone and make them believe you passed away, you, you only need one policy. What was the purpose of taking out five or six policies? Well, we now know it's because Jose was broke and owed money and money that was due on a loan. Yes, yes. And that was part of our initial analysis is we naturally did a background and found that he had financial problems, had filed for bankruptcy or, or was in the process. And that's always a big motivator to stage your, your debt. Clearly, Jose is pretty smart, right? Because he's gotten away with the scam so far. But the question is, can he keep up the momentum? Can he keep up with the lies? While in Venezuela, he ends up purchasing death certificate, has a doctor sign. He ends up also purchasing a certificate of cremation. Daphne is instructed to tell her kids that she's flying to Venezuela to collect his ashes. She boards the plane loaded with about $20,000 in cash. What was that money for? He had told me it was to, to get the, the records that they needed to show that he was dead. The couple goes to the U.S. Embassy in Venezuela to get a certificate of death, a document Daphne will need to get the $8 million in insurance. He's outside the embassy waiting for you. You're inside the American Embassy in Venezuela with his death certificate trying to get it approved. Yeah. Wow. 
that really takes a lot of to pull off. Everything he did takes a lot. I don't know how you can do what he did and wake up every morning not hating yourself. At this point, Daphne claims she's just protecting the family and has no idea about her husband's plan to rip off the insurance companies. Antigua tells Daphne, Daphne, you have to do this. If you don't go through everything, it's gonna be clear to the cartel that I'm not dead. But back in Jacksonville, as the children are processing their stepdad's death, Daphne had become a pawn in her husband's wicked game. You come back with a death certificate, you come back with a box of something that could be dirt, but everyone's supposed to believe it's your husband's remains. And what do you do? Do you have a funeral? No, his son did a memorial service. He ends up having his wife do all the things that a grieving widow would do, and it's all a sham. And shortly after the memorial service, Lantigua miraculously rose from the dead, telling Daphne to hire a lawyer to start the insurance claims on seven, that's right, seven policies. How many times do you have a situation where a person is so bold to use a federal court, a presidentially appointed judge, to basically unknowingly assist them in their fraud for $8 million. That takes some guts. Or stupidity. Stupid would be an understatement. One of the amazing parts is that Daphne takes a cruise ship from Florida down to the Bahamas. And the whole point was that she was carrying cash $20,000 for Jose. Were you guys on to her at this point? So we were monitoring everything. And we noticed some posts where she and her uh, daughter, I believe, went, took a ferry over to the Bahamas on Thanksgiving. Now, she's very close to all her other kids, right? So we thought, why would she be going to the Bahamas? and not celebrating with her entire family. What's in the Bahamas? Why does she have to go there? And that did trigger um, an interest point with us. When a US citizen dies abroad, does the US embassy do an investigation into that death at all? Uh, typically in most cases, unless there's something peculiar about the case or it's a, a high profile individual, typically they don't do any investigation. That form that they provide is basically a self-reporting form. And the main point that they use or the main document that they use to validate or to provide that form is a local death certificate that's allegedly officially issued by, by the civil registry. And they take that document and the details from the document to fill out the, uh, the, for, the uh, death of an American citizen abroad from. So that means that when Daphne went into the US embassy with her fake death certificate for her husband, 
no one there is going to do any due diligence. They're going to see that it's a death certificate. And then the U.S. government is going to issue their validation of that, if you will. Do you think Jose knew that, that it would be that easy? Probably not. I would say probably that. Most people don't know that. Okay. Including a lot of insurance companies. Sometimes <laughs> they pay a claim based on the document because they think it's an official document from the government. But they truly don't, uh, they don't do an, an investigation. You know, Richard, I always wondered, especially when I sat down and I interviewed Daphne, I always wondered whether he chose her for a reason because she was so excited to find love again that, and I think she's always wondered herself, you know, was I a patsy? Did he pick me for this scheme from the very beginning or did he really fall in love with me and then all this happened? Uh, I could only speculate. I have no idea. I've never, we never looked into that, but uh, it's possible. It's possible. He was smart, you know, smart enough. He knew he uh, had some problems. Um, did he really need her? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, did he really need her for this, to stage his death? I, I, I can only, only speculate that that's very possible. Well, Richard, let's, let's talk about that because there needed to be a clear beneficiary. And so the easiest way to do this with the fewest number of people involved would be to have Daphne be the primary beneficiary. Otherwise, he would have to bring in all his other children into the scam. Well, that's true because uh, he needed somebody to go with him to Venezuela. And he knew that was a risky proposition. Probably did not want to get his kids involved in having to travel there. And that's possibly why he chose, chose her. Well, just when you think you have heard it all, you have not. So this is the conclusion of episode one. Thank you, Richard, because just wait until you hear how the rest of the story plays out. Up next, something was rotten in Venezuela. That's why I call it dead man walking, because if he's walking, he ain't dead. And it wasn't the decomposing body of Jose Lantigua. For True Crime Daily, the podcast, I'm your host, Anna Garcia. You can get our content wherever you get your podcast. And remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>